Hey guys, Eric Lindine here. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Good. My name is Eric. I get to be the pastor here. And I just want to say welcome. We're glad that you're here. Like Josh said, those who are joining us online as well and who are watching maybe later from the cabin or uh, camping or wherever you might be or you're homesick. We love that you are here with us in spirit. Um, We are in this series called Practicing the Way, the way of Jesus. We believe that Jesus truly is the best model of how we were designed to live as humans. And Jesus modeled that for us. Though he was God, he was also human. And so we want to model our lives after the way of Jesus. So a couple weeks ago, we looked at uh, these, something called uh, defining moments. And they had this circle. And so when you come up to these defining moments, what do you do so that you don't just let those pass on by, but you process them with other believers and you talk about it and you repent and then you believe and, and go into action. Then we talked about the importance of eating and drinking with other believers and, and, and how Jesus modeled that throughout his life. And then last week we talked about the importance of preaching the gospel, of that we need to actually share why we believe in Jesus, that we believe that Jesus is beautiful and true and trustworthy, and we want to orient our whole lives around him. And it isn't enough to just do good deeds, but we also have to sometimes actually share it with our words. And today, the practice we're going to look at is probably a spiritual discipline that maybe most of us haven't heard a ton about in a church setting. Um, Honestly, I've never heard this preached on in church, but it's a spiritual discipline of simplicity. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Why don't you stand with me, though, for the reading of God's Word? And we're going to be in Luke chapter 12 today. I'm going to read just a few of the verses. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you saw us in our mess and need and brokenness, and you knew we didn't need just um, a book. We didn't just need some good advice. But you sent us Jesus, our Savior. And so, God, now as we dive into your word, help us just to reorient our lives around the way of Jesus. Let us look to him as our rock, that Jesus would be our salvation, uh, that we would trust in you and know that you'll never let us down. God, we thank you for this opportunity to gather, to worship, to pray. In your name we pray. Amen. You can take a seat. Uh, For years now, I've been on this journey of seeking simplicity. There's something about the idea of simplicity that has always really appealed to me. And honestly, the last few years, this has affected uh, the way I dress, uh, the activities my kids do, how I organize uh, our schedule as a family. Uh, For about the last seven years as a church 
I would say 95% of the Sundays I've worn a black t-shirt of some kind uh, just because it was just easier. Simplify. I don't have to think about what I'm going to wear this Sunday morning. It's just, this is easy for my wardrobe. Uh, in the fall, I posted a picture of my, my fall wardrobe, and it's just it's black t-shirts, a couple pairs of jeans, and a denim jacket. It's just easier when you simplify things. With our kids, we pick really one sport a year for them. Josh does baseball. That's really the only sport he does. He does theater. Uh, that's his kind of his extracurricular activity outside of that. And we, we really try to not overwhelm our schedule because when we simplify things, that leaves margin, kind of the white spaces around the page, for God to use us to do different things. It's really one of our core values as a church. We've, we've talked since the very beginning of simplicity over complexity. That was very early on when Matt, who's up here leading worship, and we were talking through our church. It's like, we're going to have our logo be black and white. Uh, we embrace simplicity. Now, simplicity is a funny thing because it can look different in many different ways. There's a few of you, I know, who were here back in the days when we met in an elementary school gymnasium. And you, if you remember meeting in a gym with folding chairs and a, and a screen we had to set up and, and can lights and all these things, you might say, well, but Eric, that was actually much more simpler back then. Well, actually, the reality is our setup here is incredibly more simple than that was. Back then, we needed three or four people every single Sunday to set up um, our, our church. We needed three or four people running our tech booth. Now, with all the lights and stuff, we pre-program it onto a computer, just hit save. And so if we've done that song before, it's all pre-programmed. Don't have to worry about it again. Before, we used to have to have someone setting up lights every week. Now, we've mounted our lights in here. Before, we had to have someone setting up chairs every week. We don't have to do that anymore. Setting up a stage, we don't have to do that anymore. So you might look and be like, actually, this, is, this looks more complex than what it used to be, but actually, it's a lot more simple. So simple doesn't always mean, you know, less beautiful, less, you know, of a vibe. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit, of, of what do we mean when we're talking about simplicity. But for me, this started several years ago as a disciple of Jesus, and just studying his way and how simply he lived. And I realized that to embrace the way of Jesus and be filled with the peace of Jesus, I needed to move towards simplicity. Now, in the last several years, there's been kind of this quote-unquote new idea called minimalism that's been gaining a lot of tractions uh, these last few years. But actually, minimalism goes back to an old biblical idea. See, one of the essential truths of both minimalism and what the Bible teaches is that all areas of your life are connected. All areas of your life are connected. Uh, Marie Kondo kind of became known for this a couple years ago as kind of the Kondo method that if you have, go around your house and see if things spark joy. How many of you ever have you done that? Well, it sounds kind of weird and new agey, but the truth is, if there's stuff in your house and, and you're like, I got no feelings about this, this does it, I don't really feel good or bad about this, like, get rid of it. That's the idea, is that we have so much clutter in our lives, is that Marie Kondo kind of really popularized this uh, in, in mainstream culture of, like, clear out that stuff. And we're going to come back to that, or why we need to do that. Because, see... Much of the wisdom of the world says consume. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. The wisdom of the world says consume, but the wisdom of God's world says be content. The wisdom of the world says, hey, you are here to consume as much resources as possible. But the wisdom of God's word says, no, no, no. We're designed to want to be content in Jesus. And that's really kind of the big thesis of today. 
So why are we talking about simplicity and we're going to talk about money and stuff and our belongings, all these things? Well, about 25% of Jesus' teaching was about money and wealth and possessions. Jesus talked about this quite a bit. Because really the chief competitor with the Heavenly Father is probably not the devil. Not many of you are probably tempted to go worship the devil, do some seance, you know, speak to you know, spirits, all these things, maybe. But really the chief competitor with your heavenly father, not the devil, it's money and stuff. Filling up your house with things, filling up your calendar with uh, events and all this stuff, that is probably more the competitor of giving your heart to God and seeking his kingdom than the devil. See, Jesus tells us, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, that's where your hope is. And see, God wants your heart. God wants to be your hope. And now, the caveat in this is I am totally still a student in this. I am not some master, have this figured out. Hey, follow me as I've done this. There are other topics where I feel like I can speak with more authority. You know, uh, for the last 30, yeah, 30 years, I have read the Bible and journaled, you know, roughly five to six days a week for the last three decades. So when I speak on that, I can be like, hey, here's something I've done for decades and how it's impacted my life. This idea of simplicity and, 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 and getting a hold that our stuff don't have our hearts, I'm still right here with you. I'm learning about this, so please give me some grace as we dive into this spiritual practice of simplicity today. But if you have your Bibles, you can open them up on your phone, or if you have your actual paper Bible, flip that open to Luke chapter 12. And we're going to read first there's a story, and then some teaching after this. And in the story, we're going to see first there's a request, then a refusal, and then finally, a rebuke, a request, a refusal, and a rebuke. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Jesus is out, and he's teaching the people. And here's how Dr. Luke sets up the story. He says, someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So this is the request this guy's making. So why would he ask this question? Why is he making this request of Jesus. If you ever sat through a sermon maybe a couple weeks ago on parenting or when we talked about relationships or anything and you're like, man, I really wish my husband was here today. I wish my mom could hear this sermon. I wish my wife wasn't back in kids ministry. And you really thought that sermon was for someone else. That's what this guy is. like. He's like, he's heard Jesus teach about generosity and, and being generous. And he's like, man, my brother needs to hear this. So he's like, Jesus, tell my brother to be generous with me. Well, the reason Jesus talks so much about money is because being generous with your money is at the heart of everything that a Christian is and does. Truly, being generous is at the heart of everything that a Christian is and does. Jesus tells us you can't serve both God and money. Generosity is the opposite of greed. What is greed? We use this definition a lot. It's the assumption that everything that is in place in my hands is for my consumption only. This world, this whole, the nature is just for me to consume. That everything I earn from my paycheck is simply for my own consumption. That every talent that I have is just for my own consumption. Greed is the assumption that everything that's been placed in my hands, every, all my time, my talent, my treasure, is simply for my own consumption or the consumption of my family. But see, giving and being generous is a reality check on all those virtues. How do you build your faith? You give. How do you show your hope is not in your bank account? You give. How do you show that you love others? You give your time. You open up your home. You give your money towards them. 
So how does Jesus respond to this request? This is the refusal, verse 14. But he said to them, man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So Jesus refuses this request. This guy has one shot to talk to Jesus, and what did he talk about? He talks about money. Now, perhaps that's what we might talk about, too. I think for a lot of us, one of the things we talk the most to God about is our need to, hey, God, our money's not going to cover our bills this month. I'm worried about this. That's what we're thinking about a lot is money. But sadly, this guy is consumed with coveting. Apparently, his father has died, and now they're splitting up the family inheritance, and he's worried his brother's going to get more than him. How many of you have seen this destroy a family? Coveting or feeling like, yeah, you're, you're not going to get your fair share. Man, how many times in little kids you see this, right? You're splitting up like a piece of pie and every kid wants to make sure they have the biggest piece, right? Like it's something inherent in us that we want more than our fair share, really. And this is where the heart is exposed. This is where the brothers, they really should be grieving together. They should be mourning together. They should be lamenting the loss of their father. They should be working things out. Instead, they're looking for attorneys to get things litigious and contentious. And so Jesus tells us, guard against all covetousness. What is coveting? It's not just having possessions. It's loving those possessions, which results oftentimes in hoarding of possessions. And being like, no, no, this is mine. You see a little toddler, one of the first words they, they learn is mine, and they hold on to that with all their grip. Meaning you can't stop thinking about that new iPhone 13 that you got to get, or that new pair of Jordans, or I can't wait to get a new car, or that next big house, or whatever that is that you feel like you can't live without. That's where you have to do that heart check. And am, am I coveting this? Am I obsessed with this? Am I thinking about this too much? And even if you don't have the money, you're still going to get it. We call that debt. It kind of depends on what study you read, but the average American family has somewhere between $7,000 on the low end to $15,000 in credit card debt right now. Now, we're not talking about house debt, we're not talking about car debt, we're talking about credit card debt. Because what we're doing is we're trying to get stuff that we don't need, that we can't afford. But Jesus says that coveting is a sin, but we don't really believe that, right? Because what do we call it in our world? We call it advertising and marketing. <laughs> You, you, you can read on your own time, but really, after World War II, there really was a group of kind of the madmen, what they called them, the advertising men on Madison Avenue, and government officials and others who came together and said, we really need to change how we're marketing because we need to kick off the economy more, and so we need to do a better job of not just you know, sharing the features of something in our advertising, but making it appear that, hey, you need this next latest gadget. You need this new car. And so things have really shifted, especially post-World War II, in, this, in the advertising and in our world. And the truth is, you and I are bombarded by messages all day long that we are not good enough that what you have is not good enough. Your clothes are not good enough. Your house is not good enough. Your car is not good enough. That's the way of the world. Hey, just consume, use us up, get the next bigger one. We have to know, we're getting this message thousands and thousands of times a day. So, so what do we do? How do we combat that? See, advertising exists to create in you a sense of discontentedness. And all of a sudden, you, you need things you didn't even realize existed. 
You know, you, you thought your car was good enough that's 18 years old and you realize, man, I don't have a backup camera that when I pull into Target, I can't press a button and open up my trunk. You know, I have to actually like get out and open it for them. And it's like, man, this is what I need. Do I really need it? No, no, my 18-year-old car is doing just fine until it dies, you know. Jesus says, guard your heart against coveting. That's the real problem. Verse 16, and he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store up all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. All right, so Jesus tells this little story. It has, it's like an earthly story with heavenly principles, right? And so what happened to this man? He obtained great wealth. He did so apparently in a way that was not sinful. He had a great business. His business is flourishing. Is it a sin to have a business that's flourishing? No. There's a lot of people right now who are really bagging on billionaires and owners of big companies, and they think that they're inherently evil. Now, maybe some of them have done bad practices, but the reality is having a business that flourishes, that's not bad. That is good, okay? It's not a sin to have a business that flourishes. Maybe some of you should pursue having a business that flourishes. You should try to make money. If you're good at it, be good at it. So a sin is not being wealthy. See, the sin wasn't accumulating a bunch of stuff. Sadly, this man transitioned from being a contributor in society. He was building wealth. He was, had a company. He's employing people. To now he just wants to kick back and be a consumer. And that's, I want to encourage all of you, don't think of retirement as some end game of, okay, you know, I'm contributing to society, contributing, and then I'm just going to kick back, kick back and just be a consumer. Now, you may scale back on how you're working, but I hope all of us as followers of Jesus, we look forward to our whole life until the day we die and get to heaven and Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. That We look at contributing to society. How am I practicing the way of Jesus? How am I being a blessing? All right, we started with a request, got a refusal, and now a rebuke. So what does God say to this wealthy man? He says, you fool. I think this is the only time in the Bible God addresses someone as a fool. See, money made this man a fool. This man lived as if this world was all that there is. This man lived for stuff. If you spend your money all on your stuff or just in savings, does that last? It doesn't. And so invest your wealth into people instead of stuff. That is what is going to last forever is people. Is it a sin to make money? No. Is it a sin to have nice stuff? No. Is it a sin to live in a decent house? No. But here's the real issue for this guy. Listen to what he says. In the, in the, uh, in the Greek, the way Jesus tells this story, it's a lot easier, and I try to emphasize it, but he really says, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and I will store all my grain and my goods. He really worships the trinity of me, myself, and I. See, the question is, what's at the center of our lives? Is it us? Are all our possessions and wealth and talents and time just for our own consumption? Nothing towards God, nothing towards the poor, nothing towards anyone? Jesus says, that's foolish. See, the American dream is really God's nightmare. So God kills this guy. And he stands before God, and he has to give an account for his life and his wealth and his talents. And he's like, well, what was that, God? 
Uh, what have I done with all the wealth you gave me and all the talents and the business I built? Well, I bought a lot of toys. I, I had a lot of fun. I didn't really give generously to the cause of God. I, I didn't really help the poor. I didn't buy groceries for a single mom. I didn't do anything. I just kind of blew it on myself, me, myself, and I. That's what this guy has to give an account before God. And Jesus tells the people at, at the end of the story, he says, one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Literally means you don't exist in these things. It's just stuff. He goes on to teach, verse 22. He said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Let's be honest. No one goes bird watching for ravens, right? No one loves ravens. No one has a pet raven except Uncle Billy in uh, It's Wonderful Life, and he's a few crayons short of a full deck, you know? And he says, but your heavenly Father takes care of the ravens. He goes on to this. He says, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need him. So Jesus, he's teaching. This guy asks him to divide up the inheritance. Then he starts doing this teaching, and now he kind of goes in an unexpected direction. He starts talking about anxiety, because a lot of times that's tied to our possessions and our money. And he talks about food and clothing. And Honestly, the way of the world would say the way to combat anxiety is pay attention to yourself. You know, get to know yourself, love yourself. That's okay, but not the first thing we should do. What does Jesus said? He says, instead, seek his kingdom. Matthew says it this way, seek first his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Jesus says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Jesus is saying we need to redirect our focus away from ourselves and to seek the kingdom. He says, you know what part of the problem is? If all you ever do is think about yourself and you're going you're gonna to end up with fear and anxiety. If you start thinking about your father and those in need and how to expand God's kingdom, it's going to completely alter the way that you face your life. Jesus says in verse 33, he says, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that will not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You might be like, well, Jesus, why are you talking about all my stuff? Why, why are you going after my stuff? I thought you were just talking about spiritual things, Jesus. Like, that's, that's what I want to talk about. Like, what does my stuff have to do with my stress? Jesus is saying, I'm not trying to take away your stuff. I'm trying to take your stress, and a lot of your stress is connected to your stuff. Jesus is saying that your life follows your money. Where does your money go? Odds are your money goes to your fears. You want security, so it goes to a home. You want comfort and escape the mundane of life, so it goes to entertainment. You want status, so it goes to possessions or the newest pair of shoes. You want approval, so it goes to clothes. You want friends, so it goes to gifts. But Jesus is saying, no, no, no. All your life is interconnected. How you do your business 
what you do with your wealth, what you do with your possessions. It's all connected. So let's boil it down to what Jesus is teaching us here. Number one, seek God's kingdom first. Number two, he says, fear not. And number three, be generous. What does it mean to seek God's kingdom first? I think that's going to look different for each and every one of us. I believe the best way to start the day is with God and his word. I think the foundational truth for every follower of Jesus is that we need to be in God's word on a regular basis. I'm going to keep hammering this for as long as I'm pastoring. I encourage you, whether it's just take 30 seconds and when you're pulling out of your driveway on your commute to work, if you're just going to you know, pull up the verse of the day and do that, hey, do that. Uh, if, if you can spend some time in God's word and journaling, do that. Start your day with God's word. And I think if you can spend somewhere between 7 and 15 minutes in, 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 the, in the morning, that's probably the best. But even 30 seconds, just reading the verse, it's something to reorient your mind on God's kingdom. Now, I also strongly encourage you, like, keep your phone, maybe not next to your bed, or, or if it is, like, try not to grab it in the morning. I've been really working on this. And don't go on social media first. Don't hop on Twitter or Facebook or TikTok as the first thing you do. Don't open your emails first thing in the morning. That's a terrible way to start your day. Don't respond to those texts. You know, get up. Make yourself a cup of coffee, whatever it might be. If you can, get outside. Get your toes in some dirt. You know, look at the sky. Listen to the birds. Open God's word. I highly encourage, you know, read through the Psalms. Read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Get this on a regular basis. Breathing it in. You know, and then if you can, journal. I think that's one of the best ways. I mean, secular thinkers say, have a, uh, you know, a habit of gratitude. Write down three things you're grateful for every single day. It could just be the breath in your lungs. It could be, you know, healthy kids, whatever it might be. You know, just cultivate these things and start your day in that way. That's a way to seek God's kingdom first. When you're setting your budget, ask, God, how am I seeking you with my finances? What does it mean to give generously? Kristen and I, you know, we've said from the very beginning, this is something I've done uh, since I started working at age 14, is just the first 10% of everything I made, whether I was working at the grocery store or working at True Green or landscaping or a pastor, first 10% went back to my church. That's just what I was raised. That's what I believe. That's a way of seeking God's kingdom in that. We have four kids, and so we sponsor four compassionate children. Now, that money is not part of our tithe. That comes over and above our tithe. We support missionary. That comes over and above our tithe. That's how God has wired us up to live generously and to seek his kingdom. And it may look very different for you. But I think you need to ask that question, God, how am I seeking you first in my finances? How are you seeking God first in your calendar? If you open up your calendar... Is it filled with activities and work and all these things, and then God's kingdom, God's people, maybe gets wedged in there when you only have time? Or is it saying, you know what, this is important. Gather with God's people on a Sunday morning, which means if I'm a realtor or I'm a salesperson or whatever it is, I don't take any appointments between 9.30 a.m. and noon on Sunday mornings because that's a priority of mine, that I'm seeking first God's kingdom. You know, maybe it means you're putting your community group there first before you're planning out all your activities. How are you seeking God first in your calendar? How are you seeking God first in your finances, with your energy? Are, 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 you, are you serving others? Just, it, it's going to look differently for each and every one of us, but we need to seek God's kingdom first. 
Number two, he tells us to fear not. Now, I do think there is a connection between fear and anxiety and the stuff around us. Now, fear is a misuse of our imagination. It's, it's imagination without optimism. It's saying what all the things that could go wrong. Sometimes, I think some of you need to think and dream a little bit more about what could go right. And perhaps God is asking you to step out and start that business or do that new venture. And instead of thinking of all the ways that could go wrong, what could go right? How could you build God's kingdom? How could you build a new business that generates wealth that's going to be good for others because you're going to start a job, jobs for people and all these things? But I think some key things in helping us to fear not are this. Number one, we're going to cut back. Number two, we're going to clear out. We're going to cut back. Is there things in your schedule you can cut back on? I think when we fill our schedule to the max, that is ways that we can be filled with anxiety and fear. Because i got to get to the next thing. What if I'm late? Oh, no, we're not going to have time for this. So you're going to cut back your schedule. You're going to cut back your spending. For us, you know, a couple months ago, we just realized, hey, we don't need all these streaming platforms. We canceled Netflix. Crazy, I know. And we don't have cable. You know, it's like, okay, we can get by with, with Hulu and Disney+. Plus. That's all we need, you know? That's different for every person. You're going to look at, you know, what are you spending your, your monthly, you know, uh, spending on? And, and if you haven't done that in a while, it's good, too, because you never know, like, you're paying for a gym membership, and you haven't been to the gym in two years, you know? What is it you need to you know, cut back on? We, we need to clear out. Uh, there, there are things maybe in our houses that we don't need anymore, and so we need to clear those things out. You know, what I found is that as I declutter, as I cut back, as I clear out, what happens is there's room in my soul that wasn't there before. You know, when I, when I come home and things are more organized because there's less stuff around, it's not a drag in my heart, and I'm able to spend time with Kristen and the kids instead of, of worried about all the stuff that's there. You know, actually... I don't think I need the keyboards right now. Yeah, it feels like I'm going all emotional, but I'm not. So that's okay. You can just stay up here, bud. Give it up for Josh. This is my son. Thanks, buddy. Just chill. You can sit down on the stool. Yeah, it's all good. I was like, this is getting way too serious right now. So it's all good. Uh, Josh talks about we're a family. I love last week on our worship team, we had Owen on drums and Brenda on keys, mother and daughter. Today, we got Josh on keys, Kristen singing, mother and son. Mother and son last week, too. Don't tell Owen I said that. Okay. Mother and son, mother and son. Anyways. Um, and so here, we're going to clear out, right? We've got to get rid of stuff. Now, we did this a couple years ago. I gave this challenge. And go around your house. Find 100 things that you can sell or get rid of. That you just don't even need. Some of you, 100 is going to be way easy. Find 500 things you can give away. Uh, like, truly, look at all the stuff that you've got that you don't need anymore. And just clear it out. Jesus tells us one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Now, I understand. Some of you, maybe you, you grew up with nothing, and so you're like, I got to keep all this stuff. What if I need this little piece? You know, how many of you guys have that box of cords in your basement, and you have no idea what they are for? And, and it's like, I've got this box too, right? Still, it's like all the different connectors and stuff, and you're just afraid. Oh, someday I'm going to need this one coaxial cable. You're probably not. Get rid of it. Throw it out, right? How much we have stuff in our garage we don't need? Get rid of it. Throw it out. Or even better, find someone who might need it. Give it to them, right? Like, get rid of stuff. Some of you guys are just honestly way too sentimental. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're way too sentimental. You got to say, hey, this is amazing. This trophy or this thing my, my kid made. Mm, you gonna, you know, think of it. Get rid of it. It's okay to have some things. But we don't need all this stuff, right? It's, it's going to be good for your soul to clear out. Like, we, we got to cut back. We got to clear out. And number three, Jesus tells us to be generous. So when we meet Jesus and he changes our heart, 
He births in us generosity. We're looking for ways not to take, but we're looking for ways to give. Again, this can look differently for each and every one of us. Some of us have incredible wealth, and it's easy for you to give that away and not much time. Some of you have lots and lots of time, and so you can you volunteer your time helping out you know, th- that mom, taking her kids, or, or you know, uh, uh, you know, inviting people over to your house, whatever it might be. How are we looking to give? How are we looking to be generous with the things that Jesus has placed in our hands? We've talked about this, that following Jesus is asking, how would Jesus live if he was walking in my shoes and living in my life today? If I was a fifth grade, fourth grade boy, how would Jesus live? How would he act at school? Who would he sit with in the lunchroom? You know, if, if, if I'm a 60-something, mostly retiree, you know, how would Jesus live and act in my shoes? If he's a 30-something, how would Jesus steward my schedule, my job, these things? But I think one of the things that prevents us from being generous is debt. Debt really kills your ability to be generous. And so we're going to clear out, we're going to cut back, we're also going to pay off. If you have debt, you need to go after that debt and pay it off. And all of us get in these situations. Chris and I, man, we, get, we look at the credit card and like, what happened? And we got to cut back, pay it off. You know, then things, we look and we spend, we didn't realize it. Oh man, we got to cut back. It's way better to drive an 18-year-old car that is paid off than to have a new car that you're worried and stressed about those payments. Here's something, like like in our family, I drive an 18-year-old car. Kristen drives a 10-year-old car. We've been married 17 years. For 14 of our 17 years, we haven't had a car payment. That's just how we've chosen to live, of just not having that stress of of, of a monthly car payment. For many of you, you can't even fathom living that way. But that's possibly what Jesus wants to... Change your thinking of, of how, you know, can, can I live differently? When we moved to Maple Grove, we looked at what would an apartment cost. A three-bedroom apartment was roughly the same cost what we bought our house and our mortgage on our house. It was really the, the same cost. And so, again, it's for each and every one of us looking at, okay, how am I living in a way that, that is going to decrease stress so I don't have to worry so much and fight with my spouse about money and all these things? Because here's the truth. You've been gifted by God to push back what is dark in this world. But to do that, you need to let go of some things that's robbing you of joy and the depth of life that Christ came to bring. See, our life is too valuable. Our calling is too great. Your God is too good to waste your life on meaningless stuff. Your life is too valuable. Your calling is too great. God is too good to waste your life on meaningless stuff things, of being stressed out about stuff, about needing to, to, to worry about these car payments and things that we, we can't really afford. And so you and I, we serve a good God who's given us life and purpose. Your calling is too special. You were not put on earth on the exact time just to accumulate stuff and a bunch of experiences. You and I were placed on this earth to make a difference in people's lives, amen? And it's going to look differently for each and every one of us. That's the hard part of Jesus' teaching. You can't just look at this and say it's cookie cutter, one size fits all. Disciples are not widgets. They can't be mass produced. It's handcrafted. You and I are handcrafted. This is why I believe in one-on-one discipleship. Why we've been doing the green book. Because it takes sitting down face-to-face and saying, how are you walking out the way of Jesus? How are you seeking first God's kingdom? It's going to look differently for each and every one of us. How are you saying, I'm going to fear not because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut back, I'm going to clear out, I'm going to pay off debt so I don't have these worries and anxieties and, and stuff and stress pulling me aside. Because when you walk into a house that's not cluttered and, and only has stuff that you care about, 
it, it does something to your soul and you're able to be more generous with your time. See, simplicity enables us to have a life of generosity and hospitality. See, simplicity enables us to be generous. It enables us to say, hey, our house isn't crazy filled with stuff, so you know what? I'm going to have some people over. I'm going to show hospitality. I'm going to have people around because you know what? It's okay. But when, when we're crowded with all kinds of stuff and we're worried about different things and, you know, and we got to take care of all, all these different responsibilities, ah, we, we, we struggle more to live a life of generosity. So what are we going to do? We're going to seek God's kingdom first in our calendar, in our checkbook, in our checking account, you know, um, in, in everything that we do. We're going to say, I'm, I'm not going to give in to fear. And, and by doing that, I might need to clear out some stuff that's just causing anxiety in me and just it's causing me to feel, ah, because there's too much stuff. We're going we're gonna to cut back our schedules, maybe our spending on things we don't really need. We're going to pay off debt so that we are enabled to have generosity, to have hospitality. And then we're going to be generous. It's going to look differently for each and every one of us. So today, this week, our homework for all of us is, is, is to pray and ask God, okay, God, how do you want me if you were walking in my shoes today, in 2022, you had my job, you lived in my house, how, do you, how, how would you seek first the kingdom? How would you live a life of, of, of not having fear? How would you be generous? Jesus. And we're going to ask those questions. And again, it's going to look differently for all of us. For those of us with four kids, it's going to look differently with our schedules than someone who you know, is an empty nester or someone who's single. We all have different schedules, different economic levels. But in all that we do, we can seek God first. We can say no to fear. And we can be generous. Amen? All right. Now I'm going to invite the band up. Thanks, buddy. And uh, I'm going to pray. Let's stand. We're going to go out of here singing. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this spiritual practice of simplicity that may be hard to grasp. But God, we know that our lives don't consist of an abundance of possessions. And so we don't want our stuff to have our heart. God, we want you to have our heart. So God, help us to seek first your kingdom. Help us to reject fear and anxiety and learn when we need to cut back and clear out and pay off debt. And God, help us to be generous in our time and our talent and the treasure that we have and our money. God, we want to be like Jesus So help us to be your hands and feet. Help us to be a force for good. Help us to be a light in the darkness. Just reveal to us, God, our next steps. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, We're going to receive an offering at the end of this song. And so we do this simplifying things. It's in the back. Gina's going to be in the back. She's got a basket. You can drop off your connection card. If you don't have a connection card, ask Gina and she'll get you one. We'd love to have you fill one of those out. We have a gift for you back at our resource table. Um, If if you're new, a coffee mug, a CD that we recorded, some other stuff. Uh, We just want to follow up with you. Um, Again, Pastor Ryan and I, we're just here. uh, And we we believe, again, disciples are not mass-produced. And so we'd love to meet with you, grab coffee, lunch, uh, that's the beauty of a small church is saying, hey, we're here. What's your story? How can we help you, your next stage in discipleship? How can we help you be the parent that you want to be, the spouse you want to be, the business owner that you want to be? Uh, uh, and so we'd love to just connect with you and follow up with you. We're not going to spam you. We're not, Ryan and I aren't too weird, I don't think. You know? So uh, we'd love to just connect with you. And then Ryan and I, every Wednesday morning, we gather at the Ministry Center for Prayer at 8 a.m. 
Anyone's invited to join us at 8 a.m. Uh, that's also where, if you submit a prayer request, we're going to be praying for that there by name at 8 a.m. on Wednesday mornings. So get that in uh, on our website. Get that in on the connection card so that we can pray for you on Wednesday morning. Uh, but may you know that your life does not consist in abundance of possessions, but seek first his kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. Go in peace. Let's go out of here singing. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Maple Grove podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic Maple Grove. Your generosity allows this message to go out into the world. You can be a part of the Mosaic Tribe by going to mymosaicchurch.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace, my friends.